relate more to a man named Agur in Proverbs 30. And verse 2, he says, Surely I am more stupid than any man, and I do not have the understanding of a man. I kind of relate more to that guy. I don't know anything about nothing. So, <laughs> um, But as his proverb goes on, uh, like all of us, we learn and we grow. We put our minds to uh, what we want to fill it with, and God has blessed us with an amazing brain that we probably only use a half of, it, of its potential, or maybe even a quarter. Um, we fill it, and our minds remember and take it in and understand and learn and all that kind of stuff, and it's amazing uh, what our minds can do. Thankfully, in James 1, verse 5, as we read a, a month or so ago, says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. If you lack wisdom, God says, ask for it, and I'll give it to you generously. I'm not going to withhold it uh, to laugh at you as you stumble along through life. Uh, we would laugh at my friend who had no common sense and would do the dumbest stuff. God's not like that. Um, God's going to supply uh, you with the information and the intelligence, the wisdom, if we would ask for it. So wisdom is something that can be given to us by God. I thought wisdom was gained through life experiences or book knowledge or um, my grandpappy, old reliable, if you've seen uh, Lady in the Tramp. My grandpa had a lot of wise advice, uh, but he was also a smart aleck and I never knew if it was true or right um, what he was saying, if it was going to work or not, or was he just trying to, you know, trick me. But you can learn wisdom through those things. So uh, as, uh, you know, you're going through school, uh, high school, uh, you can't not study and then pray, God, will you give me all the answers to this test? God's not going to do that. He can Okay, but he's not going to do that. Uh, he's going to bless you and help you to recall what you've learned and help you to keep it, uh, stay attentive and gain all of that knowledge. Um, but he's not going to allow you just to sit through life and then here's a, a SAT score that'll get you to Harvard and then I'll give you all the answers at Harvard, right? He doesn't do that. But God has wisdom that is so deep, and his wisdom is so full, there's so much depth to his wisdom that it confounds the most wise person uh, on earth. It confounds the wisdom of man. And we see that in, in today's world, that uh, some of the people that we think are the smartest, most wise, they don't follow the Lord. They, they feel like Oh, they've done this all on their own, and they don't need God, and the things of God uh, aren't are open to them because they're close to it, right? We'll get into that a little bit later. But today, I want you, I want to encourage you to seek the depth of God's wisdom, and as you do, you will understand more clearly the teachings and the principles of God's Word, 
and you'll grasp what's described as the mysteries of the deep things of God. Some of you, when you're studying and studying the Word of God, you're like, man, I, I don't understand what's going on here. Pray, and God will help you uh, to get it, to help you to understand it and to put it to your heart. Recently, I had a conversation with someone uh, that was asking, how do I know that I've heard from God? How do I know that what, what thoughts are coming into my subconscious? Are those my thoughts? Are they from the Lord? Um, wisdom is what you need. And when you seek wisdom, when you seek God and ask for his wisdom, you'll, you will understand, was this thought my own or was it from the Lord? I believe if it's from God, through his uh, wisdom, you'll know it's him. It's from him. He'll confirm it. He'll repeat it to you. Uh, he'll say, have other people talk to you uh, about it or bring it up some different ways. If it's, from, if it's your own thought, it's going to go away quickly. You're going to change your mind <laughs> quickly. It's, gonna, um, it's not necessarily uh, very absolutely clear and black and white between the two, but um, as you seek the Lord, You'll understand, and his wisdom will come to you, and, and you'll learn how to figure out, is this from God, or is this uh, the bad pizza I had last night, <laughs> okay? Difference between knowledge and wisdom. So uh, knowledge, what's knowledge, what's wisdom? I just want to talk about that for a moment. Uh, in an article from Billy Graham, uh, he wrote on this topic and, and defined the difference like this. Knowledge, knowledge is fact-finding. Wisdom is applying knowledge with discernment and good judgment. The blessing of knowledge becomes a curse when we pervert it. The voice of wisdom speaks to our hearts through Scripture. Proverbs 8 speaks of this, and we're going to look at that in, in a few moments. Proverbs 8 speaks of this. It is the Lord Jesus himself gathering up his eternal attributes that call out to us with his understanding, his truth, righteousness, knowledge, instruction, prudence and discretion, reverence, counsel, strength, love, riches, honor, and justice, rejoicing, blessing, wisdom, eternal life. When we ask for the wisdom of God, we are asking for all of these attributes, not just how do I, you know, what do I do in this situation? How do I answer this question? What do I do? Uh, what do I say to this person? When we seek wisdom, we're seeking all of these attributes, okay? And today, you will discover how to obtain those. The Bible contains lots of imperative statements. I'm not a great uh, English teacher, uh, but there's imperative statements and there's indicative statements. Uh, imperative statements are statements that give a command. They are definite orders or rules, not simply suggestions or a concept that might be good to apply to your life. They are, um, they are imperative statements. We should do that. We, we need to do these. Go into all the world. Be strong and courageous. Go and sin no more. Repent and believe the good news. Stand firm. 
be fruitful and multiply. Obviously, the Ten Commandments would be imperative statements. So the Bible has several statements like that, where God is telling you, do this, okay, or don't do that, okay? There's a lot of um, indicative statements where you have to uh, decide, do I need, is God asking, what's the principle here he's trying to get? What's the thought um, he's trying to speak to me? But then there's others like this that are definite, do this. In Proverbs, Solomon tells us imperatively, acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Some of your Bibles may say gain wisdom or get wisdom. That's found in chapter 4. Later in chapter 23, Solomon again says, get wisdom and instruction and understanding. Do this, gain wisdom, get wisdom, okay? But how did Solomon, or sorry, Solomon, according to 1 Kings chapter 4, was the wisest man of all the earth at that time, all the way till now, the wisest man that's ever lived. He wrote Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. He even wrote a few of the Psalms. God used him to do great things for the country of Israel that he led, he was king of. Men and, and kings from all the nations. Uh, it literally says all the nations of the earth. So all the ones that... Uh, knew where Solomon was, would come to Solomon. They knew he was this wise uh, man and great leader. They wanted to hear from him. And he would sit and he would give Proverbs, 3,000 Proverbs, the Bible says. He had 1,005 or something songs that he would uh, do. And they would come and they would sit under his leadership. He had wisdom for many topics. God blessed his leadership, and used him to speak wisdom. But how did Solomon gain his wisdom? What university uh, did he go to in order to become the wisest uh, of all? No, he, he had an encounter with God, and it's a powerful moment. And that's in uh, 2 Chronicles 1. And I see some of you trying to keep up with the verses that I'm uh, spitting out here. Um, you could turn to Second Chronicles. We'll be there for a few minutes. Um, it's towards the beginning of the Old Testament, First Kings, Second Kings, and then it goes to Chronicles. And just to kind of help you, just a quick uh, tip about the Bible, a lot of stuff is repeated. So Kings and Chronicles, a lot of it is the same story. So if you think, did Solomon do this already? Like, wasn't this in King? Yeah, it's written a second time. Um, for various reasons. The kings, obviously, it's all the kings of, of Israel and of that land. Chronicles is, you know, the chronicles of um, Israel and how that, it's a very general summarization, but chronicles will have more than kings. Uh, kings will have just the kings. Judges, there was a time when Israel didn't have a king. They had judges, so that's what judges is. Uh, the book of Judges tells stories of and so, yes, uh, Deuteronomy will repeat some of Exodus because it's, it's just uh, retelling some of those stories. So if you get confused, um, it is repeating <laughs> and, and adding some different things as well. 
So Second uh, Chronicles chapter 1 tells the story of Solomon taking over for his father, King David. He is leading the people well, the Bible says, and, and one day uh, he leads them to the tent of meeting, and he's worshiping at the altar, and thousands, millions of Israelites are there, and he's leading them uh, into worship of, of God. And, and um, the Bible specifically says this day he offered a thousand burnt offerings on this altar. So it's obviously a powerful moment um, in his life and, and encountering God and trying to get his, the people that God's placed in his um, authority um, to worship the Lord. So in verse 7, God appears to him and says, ask what I shall give to you. Whoa. So I don't know. I tried to look this up. I, I thought maybe this is a dream that Solomon's having. We don't know how God appeared to him in this moment. God appears to Moses in a powerful way that Moses couldn't even look on God. So we don't know how uh, exactly this went down, but this encounter is very powerful. God appears to Solomon and says, ask what I shall give to you. The creator of heaven and earth, God Almighty is blessing Solomon. He's pleased with his worship. He's pleased with his leadership and offers to give Solomon a chance to ask for anything. If that happened to me, (laughs) I'd be awfully tempted. Ah, Give me a billions of dollars. Yeah, I could do anything. I could lead your people really well. I would probably say, man, if I could get pizza every weekend, if you could just drop it down from heaven, enough for this millions of people, it would just be blessing them every weekend. Maybe one time could be Chicago style. The next time New York, you know, we could do Pizza Hut. Man, but that's never happened to me, and it's probably why. <laughs> God knows uh, you're... Uh, if you remember the quote from Agur in the beginning, I am more stupid than any man. So uh, because I would ask for these things uh, and not something like wisdom that would be beneficial to all areas of my life. But back to our story, Solomon asks for wisdom. He asks for wisdom that he would be able to lead God's people well. He wants to know, uh, I want to please the Lord. I want to do the right things. And God uh, blesses him. In verse 10, God responds, because you had this in mind and you did not ask for riches, wealth, or honor, or pizza, or the life of those who hate you. Some kings would have said, destroy my enemies so I can live in peace maybe. You, you haven't even asked for a long life, but you have asked for yourself wisdom and knowledge that you may rule my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge have been granted to you. Powerful moment, and I wonder how it, how it looked, what happened in that uh, physically, physical realm, or was it kind of a gradual, like day by day, Solomon understood, wow. How did I start thinking of this stuff, right? We don't know how it looked. It was probably um, nothing spectacular, um, but it probably a process, maybe all at once, maybe uh, a process of 
each day and each choice, each decision. Uh, he would have great wisdom. Maybe whenever he stood up to lead the people, he knew what to say and, and had all that. But let's dig a little deeper into the scriptures and see what wisdom was bestowed onto Solomon and what wisdom is available for us today. There are two types of wisdom in the Bible, pretty simple. There's wisdom from above and there's wisdom from below. Solomon definitely, obviously got wisdom from God above, but I just need to give you the warning um, that we should not pursue wisdom from below. James 3 speaks of this wisdom in verse 14, saying, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but as earthly, as natural, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there's disorder and there's every evil thing. Wisdom that is full of jealousy, a, a striving to be better than another person or, or to be an authority over other people, that is worldly and it's not of God, but it's of uh, the devil. Wisdom that's based on selfish ambition, it's used to gain wealth, it's used to gain uh, the riches and the honor for yourself. That's worldly and it's not of God, but it's of the devil. Wisdom that is arrogant, boasting of yourself, is worldly and of the devil. Wisdom that is of this world is not true wisdom, but it's a, it's a lie, it's fake wisdom, it causes disorder, it causes every evil thing. So don't seek that wisdom. James contrasts that with his next verse describing wisdom from above. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits. It's unwavering. It's without hypocrisy. That's the wisdom that we want to seek. That's the wisdom that we want to obtain. So how do we, how do, we do that? We're going to gain some insights uh, to this question from the Proverbs of Solomon. And I just want to give you a, a quick disclaimer. I feel like sometimes I give disclaimers in, in, in these sermons, but it helps because I think there's probably questions out there that I could um, answer in this moment. A common question is raised when you talk about Solomon. Um, what was the... This will, I'll allow you guys to answer this question, okay? Uh, what was probably the biggest... A uh, fact about Solomon that kind of is like, that guy was messed up. What was wrong with Solomon? What's maybe the biggest glaring thing of, man, he did this, so I should be able to do it. What, what was it? Yes. How many wives did Solomon have? 700 wives. Whoa. And, and, and above that, in addition to that, 300 concubines. Um, to explain what a concubine is in a church uh, clean setting, we'll just say that 
uh, it's, he had the benefits of a wife without having the commitment to them. Okay, we'll say that. So a thousand, and he reigned for 70 years. Um, I was trying to do math of like, how, how would a guy even begin to like, wow. And so uh, we're not going to go into the math part because I never could uh, figure out, um, man. But a lot of times the questions posed, why would God bless a man um, with a thousand wives? Would, would that justify me having more than one? Um, would it allow me to have whatever relationship I want to have? And the answer is no. Uh, <laughs> but what the answer to your question, how can God bless that? Is God saying that it's okay if he blessed Solomon? Is it okay to live the way Solomon did? And, and the answer is no. In the beginning of Solomon's reign, he feared the Lord. He served the Lord. We've, we've learned that today. He gave honor to God, and so he was deserving of the wisdom that he obtained through that miraculous moment with the Lord and his encounter with God. But he reigned for 70 years, and a lot of stuff happened in those 70 years. And, and during that time, obviously, that was a struggle uh, for him and, and with sin in his life to be gathering multiple women to the point that not only did he accumulate uh, wives and concubines, but he accumulated wealth, and he wasn't supposed to do that. He was the richest probably more, more than just the wisest. He also accumulated military strength. He would, as the leaders would come and uh, listen to him, they would give him stuff, and he would build stuff. And it, he had way uh, too much uh, military strength, too many women, too much wealth, all of this. None of that was instructed uh, by God. By God allowing him to uh, do that, it looks like God's allowing him uh, to do it, but um, God's not approving of it. And in the end, his pride gets the best of him, and, and God literally pulls the blessing off of Solomon. And there's not a long story of his death. He was in a battle. I believe he was trying to conquer um, Jeroboam, and he couldn't, and he died. And the next verse, his son um, becomes the king. So no, Solomon's life does not justify to us that we uh, can have 700 wives. Um, I don't even know. He'd have to be the richest person in the world to be able to have 700 wives, right? That's not a knock on my wife. We can still learn from his Proverbs, and, and because those Proverbs are inspired by God, it doesn't, uh, his life doesn't cancel out what he um, wrote because those things are inspired by God. I want to start, and you don't have to jump around uh, to these, but I just want to point out, when did, uh, where did wisdom come from? When did wisdom uh, come? Did, did God accumulate wisdom through the years of his um, creating things and starting the earth? Um, there's verses about how uh, wisdom has come about, and I found it very interesting, and it kind of leads through our our sermon today. So in Job chapter 28, Job says uh, in verse 20, where 
does wisdom come from? And where is the place of understanding? Then he, God, in verse 27, then he saw it and declared it. He established it and he also searched it out. And to man, he said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. King David wrote in Psalms 111 verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. And then Solomon reiterates in, in Proverbs 1 verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So wisdom comes to those who fear or hold in holy reverence. When it says, fear the Lord, it's, it's fearing him in a, in a reverence way, revering way, because this wisdom is his. It's God's wisdom. And, and it has been since the beginning, since before creation. It's this powerful wisdom was with God from the beginning. That might be uh, a little bit difficult for us to understand, but I'm going to talk through it, so hang, hang on with me. Proverbs 8, so turn there because we're going to be there for a little while. Proverbs 8, Solomon is writing this proverb as if wisdom is speaking, if wisdom was uh, a person uh, and speaking about uh, itself, telling us about wisdom. This is how uh, Solomon words it. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22, it says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. From everlasting I was established, from the beginning, from the earliest times of the earth. Going a little further uh, to verse 27, wisdom was at creation. When he, verse 27, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he inscribed a circle on the face of the deep, when he made, this, uh, made firm the skies above, when the springs of the deep became fixed, when he set for the sea its boundary so that the water would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master workman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the world, his earth, and having my delight in the sons of men. Wisdom was not something accumulated by God as the years went by. Wisdom was with God from the beginning. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we're all there. And wisdom was with them, powerful and also a little bit confusing, okay? <laughs> But, but stay with me. Something more powerful and a little bit weird to understand is that wisdom was a spirit. Wisdom was a power that God would bestow on the people. Look at Exodus 28. We're jumping around a lot. Exodus is at the beginning of your Bible. Genesis, Exodus Exodus 28, God is setting up Moses, uh, talking to him, um, 
How do you build the tabernacle? How, how are you going to um, worship, operate worship? What are the priests' clothing going to be? Um, when you read through the, uh, the first five books of the Bible, there's a lot of details, okay? So this is the beginning of that. When, when God is setting these things up and telling Moses how he should lead the people in their worship of God, the physical objects that he's telling him to make, uh, an altar, a communion table, so to speak, uh, the robe that Aaron, the priest, is going to wear, and the, the garment that will go over top of it. It's very detailed, okay? In Exodus 28, verse 3, he said, You shall speak to all the skillful persons whom I have endowed with the spirit of wisdom, that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister as a priest to me. It's not that Aaron would be powerful and awesome and great. It was that Aaron would be consecrated to the Lord. And he was the, the high priest that was going to lead the people in worship. So God gave the spirit of wisdom to certain people who had skills um, in, uh, I'm jumping ahead. Obviously, it's a very important task that God has ordained these people to do. But it's important to note that he didn't just give the instruction booklet to them or the pattern for the clothes. He kind of does that with Noah and Noah's Ark. Here's how you do this. And it's fantastic that God did that. With these people, he gave them a spirit of wisdom that clicked in their head, this is, what, this is how we're going to do it. This is how it's going to be done. And it was all for worship to God, not to to be um, boasting of that person, those individuals. To the, skilled, um, to the skilled seamstresses, he gave them the spirit of wisdom. To the skilled carpenters, he gave them the spirit of wisdom. God specifically tells us uh, a few chapters later, if you want to go there, Exodus 31, a man by the name of Bezalel, he's the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he tells us of this man, I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all kinds of craftsmanship. You guys who are really good at woodworking and, and buildings, you know, people who are, can make awesome clothes, and you can do it for the glory of God. And these guys were doing that. God recognizes this guy can build the best altar. So I'm going to fill him with the wisdom of God so he can do it for my glory. And in verse 4, it says, to make artistic designs for work in gold, in silver, and in bronze. God anoints those people with the spirit of wisdom so they can uh, build the things that were, made, that were going to be made for worship. That's a powerful uh, moment, a powerful meaning to that. So what we are seeking when we are seeking wisdom, we're not seeking information. What we are seeking is not an opinion from God. If you could just tell me what I'm supposed to do, what's the answer to this problem? Am I supposed to take this job or not? Just give me a sign. We're not seeking uh, one moment of an opinion from God. We're not seeking um, that. We're, what we are seeking is the Spirit of God. 
We're seeking the spirit of wisdom. And that's all the attributes of God. When we're seeking his wisdom, we're seeking all of that. From Proverbs chapter 8, we're jumping, I should have told you to keep your finger in there, but from Proverbs chapter 8, it talks about truth, righteousness, knowledge, instruction are his attributes, prudence, discretion, reverence, counsel, strength, love, riches, and honor, justice, rejoicing, blessing, eternal life. But there's more. You like those commercials? There's more. In James chapter 3, the wisdom of God, the attributes of God are pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. When you're seeking the wisdom of God, you're seeking all of that. Just like God endowed people in Exodus and throughout the Bible, Daniel, we talked about last week, Daniel was given wisdom from God. Okay, when, when, he, when God's not only um, endowing those people with the spirit of wisdom, but he wants to give you it as well. If you're still confused, it's going to make a lot of sense here in a moment. We have stayed in the Old Testament so far and and talking about who and how God gives wisdom, but I'll wrap it up this way. What's the difference uh, between, what's the difference in the New Testament um, that wasn't in the Old Testament? Or, ooh, someone already said it. What'd you say over here? Jesus. Yeah, man, you guys are better than I thought. Jesus is the difference. Jesus was at creation. Jesus has always been. But something powerful happened in the supernatural realm when Jesus stepped out of heaven. We celebrated at Christmas. When Jesus humbled himself, stepped down to earth in human form with the purpose of setting the world free from the bondage of sin, Him dying on the cross and rising from a tomb sent shockwaves through the supernatural world. So much was accomplished, and we're going to be studying that as we get to Easter. It was more than just a, a man or God rising from the dead. There are so many things that took place um, when Jesus died and rose again. But Paul brings together this this amazing concept of Jesus and his relationship to wisdom. In 1 Corinthians 1, uh, verse 18, please turn to that, but it'll be on the screen too. But 1 Corinthians is is up in the New Testament, probably kind of the middle of the, the New Testament if you turn there. It's after Romans. 1 Corinthians 1 has a lot to say about wisdom And Paul uh, brings it together well with Jesus. Starting at verse 18, he says, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where where is the scribe? 
Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? That they think they're, they're so wise and so smart uh, that they're controlling the world. And God is in control. God is, uh, and his wisdom uh, overrules all of it. 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs, Greeks search for wisdom, but we, are, we preach Christ crucified. And to the Jews, that's a stumbling block, and, and to the Gentiles, it's foolishness. But to those who are the call, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Basically, to summarize what, what Paul is saying, the man whose wisdom is of this world does not know God, but those who believe in the message of the cross are saved, and that message being preached is of Christ crucified, Christ the power of God, and Christ the wisdom of God. Okay, we're bringing this all together. Jesus Christ is the wisdom that you seek. The wisdom you seek is Jesus Christ. In the next chapter, Paul teaches us how we are able to tell others about this hidden or, or mystery of wisdom. In, in chapter 2, verse 12, he just flipped the next page. He says, Now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? Your mind's about to be blown. But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Worship team, would you come? And ushers, would you prepare to uh, serve offering? When we believe and, and we ask Jesus into our heart, when we're part of that who has believed the message of the cross and we uh, obtain the mind of Christ, Proverbs uh, at the end of Proverbs verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 35, it's wisdom speaking still. It says, for those who find me, wisdom, find life and receive favor from the Lord. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Whoa. And he also says, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundant. We aren't just seeking an answer to a question or a solution to a problem. We are seeking our Savior, Jesus Christ, to have his mind constantly. In our series in James, you know, the last couple months, we looked at the power of our tongue and how we need to transform our mind to change how we speak. Well, imagine the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of God, the mind of Christ, 
is like software that you need to install onto your computer, okay? All the attributes of God that we just went through, all of that will be downloaded to your mind when you believe in Christ. When you seek his wisdom, you put on the mind of Christ, that you're not just asking for an answer to a a problem or a solution, but you're getting all the wisdom of God to live your life in that wisdom. Today, we're going to end our service with communion, and it's a a, a powerful time where we can uh, spend in uh, remembering uh, the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And uh, the the um, our communion here isn't closed. You don't have to be a member of our church to take communion. You need to be part of the family of God. And so if you uh, are a believer, you've asked Jesus into your heart and, and you're you know, part of the family of God, please uh, participate with us this morning. What we're going to do is uh, we'll come to the middle aisle and come down and uh, both sides will have both elements of the communion, and you can take from whichever and then go back around and find your seat and then just hold on to it. Um, Hold on to it before you take it, and we'll take it together. But let's uh, pray before we receive communion. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you, and I thank you for this truth today. God, that we're seeking you. The wisdom that we need is in you, God. Our relationship with you Jesus, we, when we believe in you and we're seeking you, you are wisdom. It's in you. I pray for each person today, God, if they don't know, if they don't have that relationship with you, God, that they would do so today, that they would ask you to come into their life. They would commit to following you, Lord, that you would forgive them of their sins as they confess their sins to you, Lord, that you would come and, and save them that you would change us, that we would have the mind of Christ, Lord. We're not looking to be smarter in information. God, we want to be wiser in the things of you, God, that we could lead ourselves well, we could lead our families well, the community well, the people that you've put in in our uh, paths, Lord. We'd be able to speak life to them, speak of you. Lord, help us today, God that we'd be right with you, Lord. As we take this communion, we're remembering uh, your suffering, your death on the cross. Lord, and we're so grateful for it. It's because of that that your wisdom is poured out to us. It's made available to us. We can attain it because of you, Jesus. So help us today. Help us today. Bless them, Lord. You can go ahead and stand, congregation, and um, begin to make way forward. The worship team's going to play. And like I said, please hold on to your elements and we'll take them together. <laughs>